Hello, Play On Podcast listeners. This is Joe Nemro, producer, actually playing host for the day because we have a special episode with our host, Nano Taggart. Uh, today, I've rotated seats with him and have the opportunity to get to know him better with you. Nathaniel Taggart is the current annual fund manager here at the Utah Shakespeare Festival and has been here for the last couple months, although he has been an employee as a, as a graduate student here at Southern Utah University. He completed his undergraduate degree in English Literary Studies at Utah State University and completed his master's just this year in Fine Arts and Arts Administration. In 2009, he co-founded Utah's only independent printed poetry magazine called The Sugar House Review. You can see some of his own writing in places like Diagram, Weber, The Contemporary West, Acapella Zoo, and Kolob Canyon Review. Nano, we're so excited you are here on the podcast, sitting in the opposite chair of where you usually are here on the podcast. Yeah, it's. Uh, I haven't been this nervous since uh, the first time I hosted the podcast. It, something about training the lens inwards instead of someone else being the subject of conversation, I think. Well, I'll tell you, it's strange for me as well. Usually, I'm just the guy listening to your beautiful voice. <laughs> and your beautiful I get to edit voice all day. so well, the nasal baritone. No, thanks for letting me ask you some questions. We're excited today because this is a special episode where we get to know the host better and nano has been so good these past seven months being able to give his time before he was even a staff member here at the utah shakespeare festival and uh we're very happy that you are here for a long time i'm thrilled it's the coolest group of people to work with i i can even imagine and it's been a fun journey for me as well to know you even before we started this podcast as arts administration students yep here at Southern Utah University, uh, where I entered and you had already completed your first year. So uh-huh. you're already way ahead of me. Yeah. And uh, it, it, it doesn't feel like it, you know, when you enter in grad school. It's kind of a level playing field, you know, we're, especially in a rigorous program like the Arts Administration program here at SUU. We kind of all got to hold each other's hand and help each other through, you know. And our two classes, they were pretty cool. We got, we, we clicked. Well, Nano, we're excited to ask a few questions about what you have done with your life to get you to this point. <laughs> Maybe you haven't done it yourself. Maybe it's been more destiny and fate to bring you to the Utah Shakespeare Festival today. Uh-huh. But I, I got to ask because a lot of people probably wonder, and maybe they didn't hear it the first episode or so, that Nano, they like look at your name or they hear it and they're like, why is this guy named after an iPod? What? <laughs> where? where what? I know the story, but yeah. Can you tell us why? Why did we call you Nano? Absolutely. Um, well, my given name is Nathaniel, and that's that's kind of what I'm going by here at the Shakespeare Festival. Uh, Scott Phillips uh, prefers Nathaniel to Nano. Uh, it feels more <laughs> professional to him, and and I appreciate that. So that's what my business cards say. But when I was little, um, I couldn't say Nathaniel, and Nano was sort of my best f- uh, phonetic attempt at saying all three syllables of my name. And it stuck because I never took to Nate or Nathan because in my elementary school days, it seems like there was always, you know, two or three of those. And, and Nano kind of helped me uh, have my own identity, I think. And uh, some people think it's childish and silly, especially now with the iPod thing. Uh, but I came before the iPod. <laughs> you sure I did. want everyone to know that. 
a little bit older. Uh, Apple still hasn't sent me any royalty checks, which I don't appreciate. Uh, but I'm holding out hope. Yeah, they're probably listening. And yeah, like, yeah, know what this right. Guy needs right a couple on. bucks. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's important to dream, Joe. I love that story. I love it. Well, we know that you have taken a great journey of starting a career, not necessarily in the arts, and yeah. it's always been a passion of yours. I know for mm-hmm. a lot of your life. Yeah. But how did it necessarily start, and what what brought you to decide to do it as a career? Uh, I. Went to uh, Dixie, well, then Dixie College, now Dixie State University, and I transferred to Utah State University. Um, and I was initially going to be a sociology major because um, it was kind of easy. Uh, then I found out I had to take stats, <laughs> one and two. And I also took a, a literature class on 20th century American literature uh, taught by a wonderful lady named Roberta Stearman. And it, it kind of lit a fire inside of me. Um, and I changed my, my major to literary studies, and it's been... Yeah, the literary arts have been my passion uh, ever since, and and I kind of realized at that age that it always kind of had uh, there, there there was always something there. You know, I used to play uh, play around with my dad's old uh, British literature textbooks when I was a kid, and I came across his wow. uh, copies of, of poetry from you know back in the day, and I found myself reading that sort of stuff, and I never really realized that it connected with me until a much later age, and. I graduated and my plan was to do whatever as a day job and spend my nights and weekends doing what I love. So I worked for seven, eight years for a title company managing a title plant. I, I did the research that goes into creating a report that helps people, you know, buy houses or refinance, stuff like that. So using your English skills, but not yeah, necessarily in an artistic. Uh, not in an artistic manner. I did, I got to do some writing and a lot of, a lot of it was legalese, you know, contracts and deeds and stuff like that. But uh, I didn't like it. Um, and I ran out of energy, you know, I, I was doing what I love with my nights and weekends, but I, I kind of woke up one day and realized I need to, you know, we spend so much of our life at work, uh, most of our waking hours, yeah. you know, most of us, and I'm just one of those people that has to care about what I do. So uh, luckily I was able to, you know, move down here, get into the arts administration program and, uh, get a new lease on, on a career that I really enjoy. Well, we're really grateful that you have, and I've always been impressed by, your skills, and I think it started in the classroom where I really noticed your personal skills, um, uh, working with people, which I see a lot of what you're going to do in your current position cool. now yeah. here at the Utah Shakespeare Festival, mm-hmm. and your critical analysis of how you analyze. I, I was always impressed in in, uh, in class when you would break down based on experience that you had before and newfound knowledge yeah. in current events and organizations that we were studying. Uh-huh. Do you think that came from maybe a, an innate uh, personality trait that you carry? Or do you think that built on time from experiences that you've had in education? It's probably a little both. I was, <clears throat> I think, the oldest person between our two uh, cl- uh, classes. Oh, you didn't act like it. And no. the, <laughs> 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 in a good Joe. way. No, no like you were the fun guy. <laughs> um, a little bit of his experience. I, I'd seen the worst case scenarios, you know, for in my previous career working for the title company, you know, how how not to have a, a well functioning team, you know, a sort of a, a poorly maintained machine, if you will, from, you know, a big, a big corporation, a private corporation mm-hmm. uh, that's very centralized. And I just learned a lot about what I don't like. And I happened to come into this program and we had all these conversations that, uh, you, you know, reminded me of those experiences. And it, it made some of these lessons uh, sink in 
on what you know what you should be doing, how you should be managing relationships and and clients and, and donors and things like that. And as far as the personality thing, I I don't know. I, I guess I've never liked being in huge groups of people. I've always been comfortable in small groups of people or, or in one-on-one situations. Hmm. And so, and I knew that was my strength. I think from a pretty young age. So, I probably just kind of subconsciously wanted to work on it and you know use my skills, um, the ones that I, I guess maybe are more innate to deal with uh, any situation, good and bad. Right. Well, your your specific skills and experience have led you to the Utah Shakespeare Festival, Yay! where you I know you've admired over a long time, and we've even done case studies on the Shakespeare Festival when we were in class. And uh-huh. what what made you decide? Well, this is a this is a place where I want to spend the most of your day. Yeah, exactly. Working behind. Um, well, I admired the Shakespeare. I went to high school in St. George, you know, about an hour away. So I admired the Shakespeare. Shakespeare Festival for a number of years, and uh, when it when it came time to graduate and f- find out what I wanted to do with my life, I'd you know I've already been hosting the podcast here. Mm-hmm. I'd worked here for a year under the previous person that had uh, the position I have now, uh, Nicole Sterling. I realized uh, even when I wasn't working here, I was kind of loitering. You know, <laughs> I, I want I just kind of wanted to be around these people. Everybody knows, uh, yeah. Nano, even though he wasn't a full time employee. Exactly, yeah, I was just I was kind of a loiterer and. Everyone was always so warm and wonderful to me. And I love what the Shakespeare Festival does. Um, I think they do a good job. We do a good job, I guess, I guess I should say, <laughs> in, in carrying out the mission. Uh, and there's so many things, uh, the Shakespeare Festival does that I honestly didn't really know about, uh, until I was here, uh, in the MFA program. And the more I learn about its reach and how many lives it, it influences deeply and positively, uh, the better I feel about it. And it feels like just such a great place to me. And like I said, there's there's no cooler group of people to work with uh, that I can imagine. So yeah, you're working in a fantastic spot where your passion for the mission and how it's fulfilled is exactly, exactly where you. Yeah, there's there's kind of a separate kind of a separation between the, the literary and performing arts. And I don't know I don't know why that is. Um, probably because a lot of colleges split up, you know, humanities and performing arts into into different mm-hmm. you know colleges or departments or what have you. But um, at its root, you know, the literary arts are performative. Um, ballads were sung, you know, before t- TV and radio. Uh, families would sing poetry to each other and recite and read. And these, the performative aspect, it, it's not talked about as much. But um, th- these sort of threads uh, go through all of, you know, most of writing. Um, theater, poetry, song, um, all the above, the the children's stories our parents read to us as we fell asleep as kids you know um, it's all performative to me and it's all you know connected and if Shakespeare isn't a literary art I, I don't know what is <laughs> absolutely so I've been amazed at how much I have learned about that as well with you here in the podcast as well um, yeah me too that's been the best part is it's been such a learning experience for me I've I felt naked in front of the lights a few times <laughs> you know because I had no journalism training uh, almost no voice training you know when I came into this and I think my jaw probably hit the floor when you and Michael Barr asked me to be the host of this. And I'm like, really? Uh, you know, are you sure you want me to do this? You know me, right? And, <laughs> but it's been an incredible honor. And I've learned every time I get to sit across from the amazing people that make the Shakespeare Festival what it is, I, I feel like I have something I get to take home with me, something I'm going to remember. So Absolutely. Nano, can you tell us a little bit um, about... Your position now. You are the annual fund manager mm-hmm. here at the Utah Shakespeare Festival. Yeah. 
it's an administrative position. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Well, maybe a lot of us don't know exactly what probably all those words combined <laughs> mean. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm a fundraiser uh, for all intents and purposes. Mm -hmm. I work closely with the development director who's, uh, you know, the leader of fundraising efforts at the Shakespeare Festival, Jill Schuler. Mm -hmm. And my, my job is essentially, uh, help, uh, produce and manage and create the fundraising materials the Shakespeare Festival uses, um, the, the letters we write, researching, uh, new leads and maybe finding some new funding sources and kind of keeping a hold on smaller gifts. Uh, mm -hmm. Jill as the development director is just amazing at relationships and, and she manages the, the large level donors and, and she, I mean, she's incredible. She, she remembers all their birthdays, you know, and she calls them. It, <laughs> it's inspiring. I've never heard anyone on the phone um, be so warm 100% of the time. And it's incredible. I admire her so much. But me sitting in my chair as annual fund manager, I get to take some of the heft of managing relationships away from her. Um, smaller gifts, you know, up to about $5,000, I think, is, mm -hmm. is usually kind of the earmark. Above that, it's, you know, Jill's territory. Uh -huh. um, but... You know, for a seven million dollar organization, fundraising, a nonprofit organization, I should say, um, fundraising is so crucial. And you know, yes. in a in a perfect world, it would be play an even bigger part of what we do at the Shakespeare Festival. Mm -hmm. um, I I could talk endlessly about this, and it, it will probably get less and less interesting as I go on. But the easy answer is I I'm a fundraiser. Uh, the medium answer is I fundraising for small gifts so yes it's a it is a crucial part of what a nonprofit does yeah. in relation to its mission as creating for example the this organization the Utah Shakespeare Festival putting on high quality yep. theatrical performances yeah and being able to fund that yeah it's is not just take it out of uh, our bank account and no and from ticket, with our ticket sales unfortunately Again, in a perfect world, yeah, ticket sales would pay the bills. But uh, my eyes have been opened to such an extreme since since I came here. I had no idea how much work went into creating, you know, incredibly high quality professional theater. How many people have to come together and work together? Mm -hmm. um, you know, the the full time administrative team of you know thirty some odd people, and then all the um, seasonal people that come in uh, to, to make our shows happen, to make these educational programs happen. I I wish. Everyone that's pondered uh, donating or becoming a member of the festival could see some of the things I've seen, you know, go through the costume shops mm -hmm. and the wig shop and uh, see the prop shop and, and the, the lighting technicians work because it's really eye opening. Um, if you've never been a part of a theater company, I, I encourage anyone to, if they're passionate about theater, to get to know better how much work mm -hmm. and how many amazing, talented people have to come together to produce a product like the Shakespeare Festival does. And it's even more remarkable, I think, here in an isolated economy in Cedar City in a town with, you know, only about 25,000 people, um, at least two and a half hours away from any major metropolitan area. Yet uh, here we are coming into, what, the 54th season, I think, mm -hmm. and still going strong. It's a, it's a testament to the quality of not only what we put on stage, I think, but also a testament to uh, how good, I think, Fred and Scott have been at acknowledging the people who have played such an important part in uh, making the festival what it is. Yeah. I like that you mentioned if you have not been involved in the theater before, 
And especially in nonprofit theaters such as the Shakespeare Festival, there are so many volunteers there that are, are just yeah. out in our community. And even some that travel great distances to just spend a few weeks here, weeks and, here and yep. they just help. It's, uh, yeah, it's true. How have you seen that as an integral part of what you do as an administrator and as well the results? Um, we There's no way we could do what we do without volunteers. It just, there's no way. Uh, we just did our winter fundraising appeal. Um, Melinda, Melinda Feinstein, a wonderful actor mm -hmm. here at the Shakespeare Festival, uh, helped craft, well, she wrote the letter and, you know, we put it in the format we needed it to be and we sent it out to some of our most loyal, uh, ticket buyers and donors. And, uh, you know, it's, it's something like 4,000 letters we send out to people asking them to, you know, help us, help us meet our fundraising goals and help us ensure that the festival can continue to uphold its mission, you know. And if I would just been by myself, I, I don't know how long it would take me to, uh, fold and stuff <laughs> 4,000 envelopes, you know, and it's not just little menial tasks like that. Mm -hmm. Volunteers, uh, everything from undergraduates at, at the university that don't have as much to gain mm -hmm. to retirees that are looking for something they care about and a, a good way to spend their time. Uh, these people help, um, manage the house at, at you know, performances. Yeah. Uh, they volunteer their services in, uh, with fundraising events, our gala, um, our Lowry's event, our fundraiser in Las Vegas, and mm -hmm. on February 7th, our first big fundraising event uh, in Salt Lake City is essentially being put on by our Board of Governors, and that, that's um, more or less a, a volunteer group. Right. You know, it's it's one with uh, a little bit of authority over the, over the organization, but these people are volunteers, and mm -hmm. uh, the, the amount of people that have been giving so much of their time and resources for 10, 20, 30 years is... It's sobering. It's incredible. It's the ultimate testament to what this uh, organization does for the community. Fundraising doesn't seem like the easiest job, and <laughs> taking into account your skills as a working with people, yeah, what, what's what's that like? Um, it's hard. No, nobody that I know enjoys asking people for money. <laughs> uh, it's you know mediated somewhat by the fact that I'm I'm asking for money on behalf of an organization that I care about. And also, I'm in a unique position. Um, I think most people in development are in a unique position to build relationships, uh, make meaningful connections with people. Um, just because uh, you're asking people to, to part with uh, some of their resources, it doesn't mean you're not really friends. You know, mm -hmm. it, do it doesn't mean you don't necessarily uh, have a, a rewarding relationship. Uh, you know, I came on uh, as a full-time staff member at the tail end of this fall season, so I didn't really get a chance to get in the swing of things mm -hmm. um, during the season and, and meet meet donors on the you know out on the by the Adams Theater or in the lobby of the Randall or in the Founders Room. But I'm so looking forward uh, to shaking people's hands and and getting to know them and uh, hearing the story of, of when they first uh, came to the Shakespeare Festival. Mm -hmm. You know, of of how their children. They brought to the Shakespeare Festival have now been coming for 20, 30 years. Uh, I see these stories in the little notes I get with uh, donations, and I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to, to having faces to put with these names, and having those sorts of relationships. And because I can't imagine anything more affirming uh, for the effort I'm putting into this job than uh, to get a chance to interact with people who have been, uh, you know, deeply connected with the Shakespeare Festival for a lot longer time than I have. Yeah, and that relationship with people like I liked when you were interviewing Scott uh, mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago and the stories of what just yeah 
how many people the festival impacts and specifically uh-huh. theater in general, the, your job is yep. that, that relationship with the people that have those experiences. Yeah. I can't, I cannot wait for the day, uh, that I, you know, like Scott Phillips or, or Michael Barr or, you know, Brian or David until I have this cachet of stories mm-hmm. of wonderful stories about the people that care so much about the festival. It's going to be really cool to, you know, not just be wide eyed and in wonderment to actually, uh, you know, be one of the salted, the veterans of the administrative team here. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm still kind of uh, walking around in circles trying to figure this out and, and to have a meaningful impact on the organization. It takes some time. Uh-huh. I'm getting, I feel like I'm getting better every day, but it takes some time. And, and having those stories, having those experiences, I think is a, is a big part of of what uh, really connects people that work in the nonprofit sector, right? Because we're not in this, um, most of us at least, you know, to get rich. Yeah. A lot of people that work tirelessly for organizations like the Shakespeare Festival um, have a skill set that could probably earn them a larger paycheck in another industry. Mm-hmm. You know, take maybe our lighting or sound people. Uh, they could certainly, you know, go work for a for-profit theater in a metropolitan area, mm-hmm. you know, and probably make a much more money. But these people are passionate about theater and they, you know, subconsciously, yeah, maybe on some level it's a sacrifice, but it's really uh, because I'm kind of like them and we all want to come to work and, and, you know, care a lot about what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nano, in your time here, uh, what are some of the things you look to leave as a legacy or maybe what you hope to see yeah. the organization do in your um, time here? Uh, that's kind of still fleshing out for me. Yeah. You know, I'm so new. I've been, like I said, loitering for a couple of years. Yeah. So I know a little bit. Um, what I do know is this has got to be one of the most exciting times to have ever been a part of the festival with Absolutely. the new Beverly Taylor Sorensen Center coming, uh, the, the new theater, you know, a, a kind of a brand new arts organization on the same complex in the form of SUMA. Yeah. Um, Cedar Cities, it's already this amazing arts and cultural destination on the I-15 corridor, but we're kind of presented with this remarkable opportunity to become, you know, maybe like a Santa Fe, um, hmm. this cultural um, mecca, if you will, yeah, uh, where people from gather from all over the region of, you know, this this portion of the United States or or even the world, and come together to enjoy arts and culture, and you know, it's a big responsibility, I think, um, just because we have the money to build these buildings you know, and, and put this infrastructure in place, yes. uh, no ounce of success is, is assured, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in fact, the responsibilities are present with every opportunity. Yeah. You know, uh, O&M maintaining these buildings, programming these new wonderful spaces we're going to have. Uh, and I feel like I, I, it feels a little bit like I'm stepping into the ground floor of something of almost a new organization mm-hmm. because we're going to have to find, uh, new ways to connect with people, new ways to build audiences. Um, new ways to connect uh, with potential uh, donors in, in all sorts of manners. So I, I can't imagine a better time to come on, you know, maybe at the beginning with Fred and Scott. Yeah. But um, it's incredible. I, I feel like I'm on the ground floor of something special. To end, Nano, I, I'm, I'm very interested in how everything came to your artistic endeavors and your career. And I'm particularly interested in that time that you mentioned when you were having a full-time career and doing arts on the side when you could. Yeah, yeah. And I know you have founded uh, your own literary journal. Yeah. 
That's correct. For poetry and I believe uh, other types of literature. Uh, yeah, po it's it's called Sugar House Review. Mm -hmm. It's a poetry magazine. We have we publish original poetry and reviews of poetry books. Okay. And at the time in 2009, uh, a group of uh, friends we'd had a, a creative writing group for about 10 years and uh, we decided we wanted to have our own magazine. A uh, part of it was selfish and self-rewarding, but part of it was also that Utah didn't have an independent literary magazine, at least not a printed one. Hmm. And nor did it have a poetry only magazine. And, and we'd been a kind of part of the literary scene in Utah, so specifically Salt Lake city um, for a number of years. And I've been continually blown away by the, the quality of writers and, and artists that, that are up there that I think don't, uh, necessarily get enough recognition and so we founded sugar house review in, in 2009 uh, we usually publish two issues a year uh, we get submissions uh, from poets all over the place uh, all over the united states and uh, even all over the world for uh, english-speaking people wow and the first poem on our first page uh, we solicited uh, from paul muldoon who's a, a very famous uh, poet and kind of figure in the literary arts and that poem was selected for a pushcart prize and if you haven't heard of the Pushcart Prizes, uh, it, it's basically an anthology that comes out every year of, uh, quote unquote, the best literature published in small presses huh. in the United States. And since 2009, we've uh, been awarded four of them. Um, oh. If you'd asked me when we started this, uh, started the magazine Sugar House Review, if uh, what was more likely to be struck by lightning or to win a Pushcart <laughs> Prize, I would have said, oh, I Struck, struck by lightning probably five times before we would ever win a pushcart prize. Uh, but we now have four of them in tow, and we're going strong. Uh, we're going to move towards becoming a nonprofit really soon. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So you're I, still heavily involved in... Still heavily involved. Yeah. It, it kind of kept, kept me going when I was working in the real estate industry, uh, you know, having my toes wet in the, in the, the waters of, of literature, if you will. And, and we've continued it even through my graduate program here and... You know, we have a really great group of people that work really hard on this, and the reception has been incredible. And every time we feel as though we're going to run out of gas, something else incredible happens, and oh. we know that we, we need to keep doing this. Well, thank you so much, Nano, for sharing uh, your experiences uh, and your talents. And uh, again, I'm grateful that you are here on the podcast and I am still, hosting it. I'm still shocked that you asked me. Thanks so much <laughs> for uh, letting me be the subject of this. Thanks. Ho hopefully a few people listen to it. I hope so, too. And uh, we're having a great time. So keep tuning in. And uh, thanks again, Anna. We'll talk to you again here in a couple weeks. Thanks, Joe. Thank you for listening to this special episode of the Play On podcast. Please tune in in the next two weeks during this off-season where we will continue to have special guests here from the festival and some Shakespeare scholars and experts here as guests. We will talk to you in a couple weeks. <laughs>